Welcome to another episode of Indie Pioneers, a podcast by Cosmetics Design Asia. On this episode, my guest is Han Chia, the founder of Fawn Co., a beauty business that focuses on education and sustainability in beauty. Together, we discuss the importance of education against fear-mongering and the challenges of tackling the misinformation and confusion among consumers today. Hi Han, good morning. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? Good. Well, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's get started then. Um, why don't we start by telling our listeners about your company, Phonic Co., and how it's different from other beauty companies out there. Um, we started out Phonic Co. Um, about 19 or 19 months ago, um, and we wanted to uh, have a business that uh, focuses on clean beauty and sustainability and uh, design as well. So in the first few months of starting up Fawn & Co, we started receiving um, requests from uh, corporates and organizations, uh, mainly to do two things. That is to um, uh, conduct workshops for, and also to speak at conventions uh, and to discuss topics on clean beauty and sustainability. So along the way, when we started conducting more of these workshops, we started evolving the business as well to um, go into, you know, like a more structured form of creating a, a, you know, program of some sort, like a workshop, which is uh, what we call today uh, our Clean Beauty with Fawn Labs workshop that we conduct uh, regularly, maybe like two to three times a month. Uh, in which we teach people about uh, topics to do with clean beauty and sustainability. And they come to the workshop, they learn to make two full-size um, products that is um, bespoke for their skin. So personally, my, my background is uh, I have a diploma in organic skincare formulation uh, from a school uh, in UK. And that allows me to actually formulate specific to each of our participants' skin type. So what they really do is they come, they learn about uh, beauty, how to take care of their skin, they learn about ingredients, they learn about the safety of formulation, even down to like things like pH and skincare, you know, um, preservatives, uh, the safety usage of essential oils and skincare, etc. And uh, following these workshops, we, um, we, we kind of like give them a little name, right? So they are called our fondlings. And they then come back via what we call open labs. They book uh, sessions that we open up the lab on a monthly basis. And then they pay for only the skincare that they need and want. And they come and they make um, the skincare that is also formulated specific to their skincare. So we, we are Singapore's first sustainable beauty lab in which people can actually, um, you know, craft their own skincare. And these are actual skincare. They're not like, uh, you know, DIY, make from home, very crude um, um, products. Um, so they are made with ingredients and techniques and formulations that is equivalent to exactly what you find in shops out there. The only thing is they are actually specific for their skin type. We do have, um, you know, uh, as many as uh, up to 300 um, over uh, ingredients in the lab. And these ingredients are all, I mean, because of my training, right? So um, um, we're very particular about the ingredients that people use from our, our lab. They are definitely ingredients sourced from actual uh, beauty brand suppliers. And they are um, ingredients that are certified as well. You know, with your training and your background, you could have very easily, you know, created a brand and, and launched products. But why did you decide to center your company around uh, cosmetic education? 
It all started when I started up Fawn & Co, right? We received um, requests for me to be a speaker at events, and these were because of my own personal contacts who then know that I have gone, you know, um, into the beauty and sustainable beauty industry, right? And when they needed a speaker or an educator for these topics, they thought of me and recommended me. And then through these initial, um, you know, outreach um, and also activities that we participated in, we realized that there is a um, there is a genuine uh, gap in the market, right, between a consumer and the uh, retailer. There is a gap in between where people actually really do want to know more about what they're using on their skin. And coupled with the fact that the sustainability uh, angle, right, is becoming very, very, you know, um, it's one of the main um, topics that people want to talk about when they buy a beauty product. They're no longer happy with, say, a beauty product that they buy and put on the skin and it works, right? They want to know how sustainable it is if I continue to support this brand, you see? So with all these, um, I, I guess we hit a sweet spot and we realized that there's a demand for it. So we continue pursuing it. And that's the reason why we've also moved into today's um, phone labs at um, Tra Street, where we have um, a rather beautiful, you know, lifestyle beauty lab setup where people can come and enjoy a nice ambiance and, and make um, their skincare with us. Since you started educating consumers about skincare and cosmetic ingredients, is there one area in particular you believe needs to be talked about more? I, I remember previously we talked about the whole synthetics versus natural ingredients debate. Is that one of the topics you place emphasis on today? Um, yes, I'm very, um, you can say I, I do place an emphasis on that during the theoretical segment of the workshops um, and also the continued journey, a continued education of the fondings when they come back. There's too much fear mongering in, the, in this industry and um, people have to realize that no, um, there are a lot of ingredients that synthetic, right? They actually produce in labs and um, with a lot of stringent process, um, safety processes uh, in place. Um, a lot of um, governments will look at all these ingredients um, and eyeball them to make sure they are safe and not toxic for the skin, right? What happened is I think people fail to realize that it is not a battle nor a competition between natural ingredients and synthetics. They have to understand it is at the end of the day, the most important thing is the final formulation. If you overuse a natural ingredient that is very intensive for the skin, right, you can hurt the skin. Now, if you use a synthetic ingredient that is produced in a controlled environment, um, when, you, when you use that in your, your product, right, the the ingredient itself is always consistent because it's it's made in a lab, right? And if you use it in the correct amount, it is actually um, may actually end up being safer than using a botanical uh, replacement that is more erratic in terms of the the, the the quality. So we we know all these and we love to um, empower people with this knowledge. And a lot of times, we meet. I, I think ninety percent of my my um, fondings they come to our first workshop thinking always that I'm here because I want to use natural products, natural ingredients in all my products because natural ingredients are safer. But more often than not, they leave our session knowing that it is about the formulation. It is about the percentage of what you're using in your formulation uh, that makes the product safe. Not it is not a battle between uh, synthetics and natural. Do you ever encounter pushback? 
I mean, there's some cases where consumers, you know, they hear what they want to hear, you know. Mm, yes. And I think for brand that tries to rationalize with consumers who want to believe that, you know, fragrance causes sensitive skin and parabens cause cancer, it can be quite demoralizing. You know, like, what's the point of me even doing this if, like, this is something that you want to believe? So, whilst we can convince some, we can't convince all. You know, so, <laughs> I, I know absolutely well what you're talking about over there. So we also have people who, who, you know, when they come and they join us for any of our sessions, be it a workshop or a talk or a demo that I'm doing at another event, they come up and they say, I never knew this, I never knew that. Then for a while, these people will be very engaged with us, right? And then after a while, you realize they um, prefer not um, to go along this education route because they always, um, you know, work along something else or they believe in something else. And it's a habit that's very hard to break, right? So we tell ourselves, my team and I tell ourselves, let's not beat ourselves up when we lose um, someone who, you know, uh, appreciate our conversations at the start and then either disappear or, or doesn't follow through. Because at the end of the day, you, you when you go along an education route, right, we are not um, talking about forcing people. We want people to have that change from within. Then it's more lasting, right? I think some, sometimes consumers um, like the fact that they're ignorant because... <laughs> uh, what? What? Yeah, yeah, you understand it, what I mean, right? bliss, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you, like I said, right, you can't... Um, you can com- if you can convince um, some, you don't... You, you can't expect to convince all. Um, and there is a huge group that they feel ignorance is bliss as well. I mean, we've interacted with a lot of these who, who persistently believe in something that is uh, probably something they learn on the internet. You know, we used to think, right, people are ignorant because there's a lack of knowledge, right? With today's social media sharing and so many information you can get at the click of a finger, right? On your phones, not even on your laptop or, or computer anymore, just on your phones on the go, right? You do now realize um, over information is the it's what leads to ignorance now. You know? <laughs> I guess that's true. Right, it's the opposite now, right? That there's too much wrong information readily available that causes people to actually become misinformed. It's an irony, right? Mm, definitely. <laughs> All right, Han, I think we're running out of time, but uh, I would like to end off with one last question. Is there a beauty brand or, or brand owner that you personally look up to? Um, yes, but uh, she's not a uh, beauty brand owner. She's just somebody, because I'm a late entrepreneur, I spent 20 years in the finance industry before I started um, this business of, uh, yeah. So she's somebody that I followed even when I was employee. And she's Sarah Blakely, the uh, founder of uh, Spanx. I started by being very intrigued with her because she is somebody who does not come from an Ivy League school. You know, she has, um, you know, she started with very low capital. I'm not too sure whether you know her story, but she started with 5,000 US dollar savings, right? And that's the start of Spanx. And I think for, um, and for a woman who is non-educated in business, she wasn't, you know, for, uh, backed by, you know, um, you know, private equity funds or family rolling in money, you know, it takes a lot um, for her to build thanks to what it is today, you know, and she she has a lot of, uh, I mean, if you, you can just find a lot of things, uh, a lot of programs she's on, like I would, I would really recommend Masterclass. She shares a lot about her journey 
And I think a lot of that comes from a point of um, uh, wanting to learn, uh, humility, you know, she embraces that. Uh, These two are, I think, very crucial for my own growth as well as an entrepreneur. And also I'm in a field that I have never been focusing on until now, which is like science, right? I'm, I was never a science student. So, I, yeah. so her approach is always about, um, I can always learn more. And that's what I take away from her. And the humility to appreciate that you don't know a lot of things and there's only a learning path for yourself as well. So whilst I am an educator for a lot of people now, right? I am also a student to a lot of people. Every day in my life, as I interact with people, right, everybody that I meet, right, I'm always thinking to myself, what can I learn from this person? No matter their age, no matter their backgrounds. Mm, I can see why you look up to her. It's a good one. All right, Han, thank you so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed speaking to you again. And uh, you're welcome. And maybe I'll see you soon at yes. your lab, maybe? <laughs> yes! <laughs> this has been Amanda for CosmeticsDesignAsia.com. Join me again for another episode of Indie Pioneers to learn more about the amazing people behind Asia Pacific's beauty brands.